0: Let's take our Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to finish up our series tonight in the book of Galatians. I've really enjoyed studying and preaching through this book, and I pray that it's been a help and a blessing to you as well. As Paul winds down his letter here, um, he's got one more, uh, one more just theological statement about the matters that he's been discussing with this church And I trust it'll be a huge blessing to us. It was a blessing to me looking at it. And I trust that it will be to you. Once you've found your place in Galatians 6, let's stand in honor of God's word. And we're going to be reading verses 14 through verse 18 for our text tonight. But I do want to begin in verse 12 because I mentioned last week we kind of broke this up into two to deal with the reason why these Judaizers had gotten off track with the gospel and then taking this week to understand Paul's theological understanding and argument for the gospel here as he had communicated it to them. So Galatians chapter 6 verse 12 as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. So he shows the motivation there that They had deviated because they were scared of being persecuted and they had deviated because they wanted to glory in how many people they had converted to Judaism. And so we looked at this thought last week that it was their focus. It was their aim, which was that man that caused the deviation in the doctrine. And that's what happens in our lives too. That's when we get off track. So they wanted to glory in their flesh. But look at verse 14. Paul says, but God forbid... That I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, Let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So as we wrap up this series tonight, we're going to look at this thought. Glory exclusively in the cross. Exclusively in the cross alone. So may God bless your names. his word. You can be seated. We'll get into our text tonight. When someone thinks of Christianity, the primary symbol that they think of is the the cross. It's the identifying mark of the Christian. You see people wearing cross necklaces. Maybe t-shirts that have a cross on it. They might have a bumper sticker. Or uh, you might see, that, uh, uh, see a Christian flag that's got the red cross on it. And so uh, as you look at, at Christians just around in society, you see the cross as the primary identifying mark that this person is a Christian. You might drive by a church that has a large cross on her. They might have one over the baptistry like we have here. You might see that in a lot of churches' logos, including ours, that a cross is included in that. The cross is the most recognizable symbol of Christianity, and it is the symbol on which Christianity prides itself. But in the Roman world, nobody would pride themselves on the cross The cross was a symbol of cruel, it was a cruel instrument of human torture and execution in their world. And so Paul's statement here in our text, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, would stand out to a Roman and Greek culture as if we said, I will glory in the electric chair, or I will glory in the firing squad, or I will glory in lethal injection. Or I will glory in the machete. I mean, that's really, as we consider our day and time in the most brutal forms of execution, those are some of the things that we think of, and that's how it would have come across in their world. Right. Paul's statement, I will glory in the cross, is one of the most paradoxical statements known to mankind. And he said that God forbid that I should glory, save, accept, solely, And exclusively in the cross. Now why did Paul glory in the cross exclusively? And when we really think about this, and and you'll see this on our website and in our video on the gospel and in our tracks that we put out, a lot of times we put out, what is the big deal about the cross? And just engaging people to consider why is it that Christians do so pride themselves on such an instrument of cruel torture and we got to ask this question, why should you in your life find all your glory in the cross of Christ? Well, Paul was not just glorying in any cross. He was glorying in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was on the cross that Jesus' blood was shed by Roman soldiers at the command of a Roman governor who was blackmailed by Jewish leaders into doing it, who were envious But there as he hung on the cross, he bore our shame, he bore our guilt, he bore the weight of our sin upon himself as he was the perfectly innocent, sinless, sacrificial lamb of God who would take away our sin. And in doing so, he would provide a means of being restored to a reconciled relationship with our creator, God. That is the cross that the Apostle Paul gloried in. But Paul is writing to a group of Galatian churches who are being infiltrated by Jews who desired to bring them back under the bondage of the law. And by doing this, they were actually diminishing the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. They were glorying in religious performance according to the law. They were priding themselves on how many of the Galatians they had circumcised and converted to Judaism. And so they were teaching this, that full and complete acceptance and greater position with God comes by our personal performance according to the Old Testament law. That's what they were teaching. But what Paul says here is God forbid that I should glory in anything else except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul exclusively gloried in the cross apart from the keeping of the law. Why is it in particular that he gloried in the cross? Well, what we see here in our text is really three different reasons why he gloried exclusively in the cross. The first reason is this, because there at the cross, Christ had executed his attachment from the world. If you look at verse 14, he says, God forbid that I should glory. And that means to, to boast, to find my pride. It's what I exalt in. He says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. As we consider the context here, the region of Galatia, they were predominantly Gentile Christians who had been brought up in a secular, humanistic Greek and Roman culture. That was their way of life. They came out of pagan religious systems of Greek mythology and their lives were firmly attached to their cultural worldviews and their worldly system of living there. It was a society that was filled with grotesque immorality, And it only served to feed the appetites of their flesh to which they were bound from birth. It was a prison, a prison of flesh, sin, and worldly values. But what happened is when the apostle Paul made his way into the region of Galatia and he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, many of the Galatians believed and they were freed from the bondage that held them for the majority of their lives. They had been reconciled to God and thus they had embraced new values, a new system of belief, a new worldview and a new means of coming to God through faith in Jesus Christ. But while they had been freed, their flesh was still alive and well. And there was something inside of them where they felt this immense pull back into that secular world system that they had been reared in. And many of them were trying to figure out how they could be delivered here. And they were on the verge and even in the process of embracing a messianic branch of Judaism. One that said, yes, you do need Jesus Christ, but you also need the works of the law. If you're going to be fully accepted with God, if you're really going to be welcomed into his people, then you need to be a part of his people, the Jews. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep the dietary laws and all the feast days. You need Jesus, but you also need Moses. That was the solution that came to them at this time. How do we escape this world system and how do we stay true to Christ and they said by keeping the law? You need to be you need to be a part of the true people of God so you can and here's really what it was improve your position with God and escape the world. Well Paul had another message for them. And his message stemmed from this. He came from that system of Judaism. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was of the tribe and stock of Benjamin, as he says in another letter. He says that as a, he was a Pharisee of the most religious sect and he was so zealous of the law that he spent his time persecuting Christians and even putting them to death. What that means is that he did his best to keep all the ins and outs of the law and yet he still found himself strapped down to the fleshly worldly system around him. Because here in verse 14 he acknowledges that he needed to be crucified from that world. That implies that he was still struggling deeply. While in everything with Judaism, he was still struggling deeply with the lusts of the flesh. He was still struggling deeply with pride and with anger and and even killing people. I mean, that's the kind of man that he was. And yet what happened is a day came when he was on the Damascus Road going to persecute Christians and Jesus showed up in a glorious light, revealed himself to him as the crucified and risen Christ. And Paul saw him and beheld him with his eyes and he acknowledged. Him as Lord and Savior. And after a while, Jesus took him out to the Arabian desert and began unfolding to him from the Old Testament the mysteries of the gospel. And he came to see that the Messiah would be a suffering Savior, that he would be wounded for his transgressions, that he would be bruised for his iniquities, and that it would be by his stripes that he would be healed and find forgiveness. And all of this came on a completely new level and a new plane to the Apostle Paul where he came to acknowledge this fact that it was his death on the cross that executed my flesh and the world. He said that it was through the cross of Christ, it was by Jesus that the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. What exactly does that mean? Well, just think about this. Dead people are unable to respond to the vices that controlled them in life. If we were having a funeral here for an alcoholic and you took a big old whiskey bottle and you came and you waved it in front of this man, he's not going to move a muscle. He's not going to take hold of that and drink it. If you were to take a magazine and wave it in front of a dead porn addict, he's not going to take one glance at it. If you were to come and you were to put a slot machine right next to the casket of a dead gambler, he's not going to put one coin in there and he's not going to pull one lever of that. Why? Because they are dead and unresponsive to it. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that when I recognized who Jesus was and and he was instructing me in the means of the gospel, I came to realize that it was his cross that made me dead to the vices of this world that had a stranglehold on my life. I was no longer responsive to the world and the world was no longer responsive to me. It was completely different in my life. And so he says it was through the cross in particular that it had been changed. And so his declaration here is really this. Why should I glory in something that could never free me in the first place? He had the Old Testament law. He had all the holy days, he had all the feast days, he had all the rules and regulations of the law, and he had the Ten Commandments, and yet in spite of all of the the deep teaching he had had at the feet of Gamaliel, a famous Jewish rabbi, he still found himself grappling with the flesh. And so why would I glory in something, the works of my flesh, Why would I glory in my circumcision? Why would I glory in my place as a Jew if none of that was able to put to death my flesh and my responses to this world system? He says, I'm going to glory in the cross for that is where my attachment to this world was executed. Every one of us are born into this world as sinners who are firmly attached to the values, beliefs, and moral systems of this world. And those, those beliefs and moral systems stand in rebellion against God and his word. That's why the Bible says that we were held in bondage to our flesh. It says that we were the enemies of God, that we were aliens and strangers from the covenants of, problem, of promise. And so the reality is, is that we were, we were under bondage to our flesh, fulfilling its lusts and its desires and incapable of escaping its grasp on our lives. But when you heard and you believed the message of the gospel, Jesus took your flesh and he took the attachment to this world on your life and he nailed it to his cross, empowering you to both be righteous and to live righteously before God today. And you know how he did that? Without the law, without the ordinances, without the judgments and statutes and the circumcision and all of those things. See, listen, here's the truth. You can go to church and still be hamstrung by sin. Uh, You can read your Bible every day and still look at filth on the internet. Uh, You can can sing all the sacred songs at church and all the secular songs at work. Uh, You can come to church and watch the missions video and then go to the movie theater and watch the R-rated movie. See, the reality is even a man who can be a pastor can cheat on his wife. It happens, unfortunately. And so you can have all the religious performance and all the religious position that you want and and still be attached to the world. So why should we pride ourselves on our own religiosity? Why should we pride ourselves on our own adherence to the Bible? Why should we pride ourselves on the works of our own uh, flesh? Because they really couldn't do anything for us in the first place. Religion can't save you. Religion can't detach you from this world because you can be in all the religion and still be firmly attached to the world. Why would you try to improve your position with God based on your religious practices? The Apostle Paul says, no thanks. I'm going to glory in the cross by whom I have been crucified into the world and the world unto me. I am free and here's his message. You can be too through Jesus Christ. And so he gloried exclusively in the cross, first of all, because it was at the cross where his attachment to the world was put to death, crucified and executed. Second of all, Paul gloried exclusively in the cross because there Christ brings believers into a newly created people of God. Look at verse 15. For in Christ Jesus... Note the position in Christ Jesus. This is talking about those who are saved, those who are born again believers, those who have come to Christ by faith, those who are in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Now, what is this talking about? Wrestled with this in study a little bit today, is is it talking about that, that it doesn't matter if you keep the law or if you don't keep the law? I think what it's getting at here is it's talking about the nationalities here. You've got the circumcision would be representative of the Jews. The uncircumcision would be representative of all other nations, the Gentiles. And so what he's saying is this. When you are positionally in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. In fact, what he actually says is this. uh, Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. The word availeth there, it means to be of competent or sufficient power. As I say, maybe I just need to come down here and preach all the time because it'll stay on if I stay down here, you know, now that we're dealing with that. But what this word availeth means, it means to be of competent and sufficient power. And so what he's saying here is this. When it comes to your position before God, when it comes to your place as the people of God, uh, the the fact that you are circumcised has no competent power or sufficiency to make you more of a child of God, a more accepted with God, a more of God's people than somebody who is not circumcised. And just because you're a Gentile and those Jews rejected Jesus doesn't mean that you're somehow more accepted with God based on who you are or where you come from. No. What does, he, what does he say there? Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Amen. A new creature. What's that talking about? Again, this is something else I was wrestling with in study is this getting to an individual level and because it, it would really fit and really be good preaching if we could take it from the standpoint that it's the cross of Christ that makes you a new creature. Uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But when you consider the context here, he's talking about circumcision, the Jews versus the Gentiles. He's saying neither one of those has the power to make you more accepted with God, but this, that you have been made a part of a new created people. A people that is mixed of both Jews and Gentiles. Because what God had, had foreordained is that he was going to, as we've been seeing in Genesis, he was going to choose out the nation of Israel to facilitate his redemption to the nations. And what he was going to do is he was going to use Israel's rejection of Jesus to allow the gospel to go to the Gentiles And then the Gentiles were then going to send the gospel back to the Jews. And you had this cycle of people who were going to be saved. And God was going to call out of them for himself a people who were not a people. And so what you see in the teaching of scripture is that God was going to transfer things from being Israel alone to being Israel and Gentiles. And he was going to make them, he was going to, I love the way Ephesians put it, that he was going to break down the middle wall of partition that separated the Jews from the Gentiles in to make of twain one new nation. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying when you are positionally in Christ, there's no power that circumcision has to make you more in Christ. There's no part of being a Gentile that makes you more in Christ. What makes you more in Christ is the fact that through Christ, through his death on the cross, you have been made a whole new people in Christ. And so that's what he's talking about here, that he's saying that I'm going to glory in the cross because of this fact that God has brought believers to be a new created people of God. And so what that means is this, that it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter where you come from, you can be fully accepted with God through Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter how shady your past is, It doesn't matter what color your skin might be. It doesn't matter if you're a right-wing conservative or a left-wing liberal. You can be accepted with God, but it won't be because you're super spiritual, and it won't be because of your adherence to a particular religious system. It won't be because you're doing your best to make this world a better place. No, it's only through faith in Christ's redeeming work on the cross of Calvary. That's why he looks at it and he says that there's no reason to glory in the flesh because the flesh, the circumcision, the fact that you're a Jew or the fact that you're a Gentile, it can't make you more accepted with God. So instead of glorying in how many converts I have to Judaism or in glorying in how many Jews I've set free from Judaism, I'm going to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's taken both of these people who were estranged and alienated from each other and alienated from God and he's brought them both into one new creature. I'm going to glory in that. And so Paul's message is this, don't glory in Jewish performance, glory in Jesus' performance because that is where you find acceptance with the people of God. Number three, Paul gloried exclusively in the cross because there Christ brings believers under the peace and the mercy of God. Look at verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and upon the Israel of God. So he says those who walk according to this rule, Rule. What what exactly does that mean? Well, the word rule here is a a word that means a formula or a standard principle or law. Something that is standard. Okay, let's think of the law of gravity. If I were to come over here and jump off this platform, I'm not going to continue ascending up into the ceiling and into the sky because we have the established law of gravity. What goes up must come down. When you're going up on a roller coaster, you know, and you're going up that, especially those old wood ones at Lakeside <laughs> or at Elitches, the Twister too, you're going up that roller coaster and it's got the steep incline and you're getting the, you know, what goes up must come down. <laughs> and so that thing is going to take you up and it's going to shoot you down that roller coaster. See, that's a law of gravity that is established in place. That's what this word rule means. But it was interesting to discover that it's actually the Greek word canon, as in the canon of Scripture. That's a theological term for the standard, the accepted and received and ordained standard of what God's Word is. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's what we call the canon of Scripture. Canon is a word for a ruler or a measuring line. What we might use is a tape measure. Right now on a standard tape measure when you're doing construction and the standard two by four code is that those studs are to be 16 inches apart. Uh, My dad is a cabinet worker, and most of the time those guys don't care how close it is. As long as it's within like three inches, it's good. And so you miss studs when you're just measuring them. But we know the standard is 16 inches because what you're going to find is there's a red line over every 16 inches. You got 16 there, and then you got 32 here, and there's an arrow, and that's telling you how far those are supposed to be. So I'm going to set this at 16 inches. What it means is is that's supposed to be the limitation, They're supposed to install those two by four studs 16 inches apart. That's the idea of this word canon. That God has pulled out the measuring tape and He has established a certain measure as to what would be the limitations of salvation, of how somebody is saved how somebody is redeemed, how somebody is reconciled to God, how somebody is made righteous before God and accepted before God, he has ordained what the measured standard is. What is within that standard is the true gospel. Whatever goes outside that standard is a false gospel. What the Apostle Paul says here is, as many as walk according to this rule... What does it say there? Peace beyond them and mercy. You know what he's saying there? Those who have come to Christ according to God's measure, according to God's standard, those who are looking for acceptance according to God's established rule, you know what they find? Peace with God. You know what they find? They're under the mercy of God. And so that means that in their, in their lives, they have stayed within the rule. Therefore, they are accepted with God. And to try to find acceptance with God outside of that, is no, there is no acceptance with God outside of that. Amen. But what's happening here is the Jews, the Judaizers here, they're saying, well, we can expand this out to the law. You need Jesus, but you also need the dietary laws. You also need the holy days. You need to be circumcised and become a Jew. And so they are adding to what God has said. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is, no, God ordained that it would be this. Anything outside of that can give you no greater acceptance with God than what you can find living with inside of this. And so he says there that, that those who walk inside of this rule shall have peace, and the mercy, and it also says this, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now that seems like a very confusing statement. And this is the only time in all of scripture that it's said this way upon the Israel of God. What is this talking about? Well, there are some who uh, maybe suggest that he's saying that what happens is those who uh, walk according to this rule are the same as. The Israel of God, that they are the true Israel, or they are the new Israel. That would fall under the lines of what's called covenant theology, that it's the idea that the church completely replaces Israel, Israel is completely done for, but you come to the book of Revelation, you see that Israel comes right back and takes center stage. You find in the book of Romans, and chapter 9, 10, and 11, that God still has a plan to save Israel, as we're talking about that cycle, that yes, they rejected Jesus Christ, but now God has used their rejection to send redemption to the Gentiles, and now he's using the Gentiles to send redemption back to the Jews so that everybody can be saved. And so God still has a plan for Israel. So that can't be exactly what this means. I'm going to suggest this, that there are those who walk according to this rule. That would be true believers. Those who have accepted Christ within God's standard by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone through faith in his death on the cross, his shed blood for their sin. They have received him. They have peace and mercy. And then he says, and on the Israel of God. The way that is written is this, the Israel who belongs to God. What that suggests is this, there is some of Israel who does not belong to God. And so what that implies here, and what I take this to mean, is that he's saying that you're going to have, I mean, it's going back to the previous verse in this context. It doesn't matter, matter if you're circumcised or if you're uncircumcised, if you're Jew or Gentile, you're brought into this new people of God, that that's the same thing he's talking about as those who walk according to this rule, whether they are uncircumcised or if they are circumcised and have been uh, Jews, but they have uh, decided to come to God according to this rule, that is the Israel who belongs to God. God Amen. there's a remnant is what the Old Testament talks about, that there would still be a remnant who would believe people like the Apostle Paul. People like Peter and James and John and the other disciples. People like the thousands of Jews who got saved in Jerusalem at Pentecost and in the days following Pentecost. There would still be a small portion who would not reject Jesus but would receive the gospel. He says if they receive the gospel, if the Jews will receive the gospel by grace alone, through faith alone and Jesus alone, apart from the law, then peace and mercy is also upon them. And so what Christ has accomplished through the cross is he's brought both Gentiles and Jews to be one people together, and he has brought them under the peace and the mercy of God. And that happened not through the law, but by the cross. So what is Paul's point here? Well, he's telling them that there's no reason to glory in the flesh of circumcision and human performance, but rather... He is going to glory exclusively in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so should the Galatians. And so should you. And so should I. Why? Well, our glory should rest exclusively in the cross of Christ. Because the cross exclusively puts us back in a right place with God. It's the cross. The law couldn't do it. Our religious practices can't do it. It has to be the cross. See, personal performance cannot put you in a better place with God than Jesus already has through the cross. What that means is that your dress standards can't put you in a better place with God than Christ did. It means that your your nationality can't put you in a better place than Christ did. It doesn't matter if you're Jew. It doesn't matter if you're American. It doesn't matter if you are black, white, yellow, Asian, uh, Indian. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. Nothing about who you are can put you in a better place with God than Jesus already has through his death on the cross. Spiritual service and ministries at the church can't make you more accepted. Can't put you more at peace. It can't bring you more under the mercy of God than Christ has through the cross. And so our standing before God is totally unconditional in Christ. That if you are in Christ, he has given you all the grace. He has given you all the righteousness. He has given you all the acceptance that you need apart from anything that you could do. You cannot improve your position with God more than Jesus already has. And so it doesn't matter Because it doesn't rest on who we are. It doesn't rest on who we come from. It doesn't rest on what we've done. But it comes from who Jesus is and where he has come from and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. Your works can't improve your place. Listen, let me make sure I say this clearly. Your works cannot improve your place with God. But your place with God ought to improve your works. Do you see that distinguishment there? There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that you can do to improve your place with God, but when through Christ and the cross of Calvary, your place with God has been improved through Jesus, that ought to improve your works. Remember the Apostle Paul said that this, this liberty that you have in Christ from the law, it's not a license to sin. It's not to be used as an occasion to the flesh, but by love to serve one another. He said that this is not, this doesn't mean that just because I'm free from the law, I can go on living however I want and I can do whatever I want and be with whoever I want, however I want, whenever I want. It doesn't mean that you have complete liberty and license to just go away from the Bible and go away from living holy life. That's not what it means. No, you can't improve your place with God through your own religious performance, but your place with God through Christ should improve your works. Here's the reason why. Because the cross has far greater power to make you righteous today than your religious performance ever could. Through the cross, Christ has crucified the world to you and you to the world. Through the cross, Christ has has indwelled you and enabled you to live righteously and free from the flesh. What did the Apostle Paul say at the end of, uh, I believe it was chapter 3, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live by the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Christ indwelling you ought to improve your lifestyle. Through the cross, Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to purge you and to purify your life of the works of the flesh so that you can manifest the fruit of the Spirit. So in other words, here's what he's saying. Don't glory in your works because they can never improve your position with God. But rather, glory in the cross of Christ by whom you have been put in as good a place with God as you could ever be and never need to be. In other words, the cross is sufficient. The cross is sufficient. How do we know that? How can we trust Paul's gospel? Because that's not what the Judaizers are saying. Well, here's how we can trust Paul's message. Because in chapter 1, he said it came directly from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. In chapter 2, he said it was affirmed by the apostles of Jerusalem. In chapters 2, 3, and 4, it theologically stands up with the Old Testament. In chapters 5 and 6, the Holy Spirit proves it, both in your personal life and in church life. That he is the one who makes you righteous before God. And so you put all of this together and the Apostle Paul wraps it up by saying this. So in light of all these theological truths, why in the world would you glory in being circumcised and keeping this list of rules and regulations when they couldn't free you in the first place? The reality is is they, that you only had those to show you you needed a savior And so he's saying, when you have all this reality and you've got the insufficiency of the law and you've got the sufficiency of Christ, the Holy Spirit through the cross, why would you glory in your own religious performance or in the works of the Mosaic law when you could glory in the cross of Christ who is ultimately sufficient to make you accepted before God and righteous in this life? And so he wraps it up with verse 17. From henceforth, Let no man trouble me. You know what that means? Stop making my life harder than it needs to be. I shouldn't have to be writing a letter like this Uh, He's saying, saying, let no man trouble me. Let no man afflict me. Let no man disturb me and just make things more difficult is what that means. He says this, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you want to know what the proof is that my gospel is true? Unlike those Judaizers, I've been plenty willing to suffer for it. I've taken the beatings. You remember I was stoned and left for dead at Lystra for the cross of Christ, not for the works of the law. And so stop turning away from the true gospel that you first received and just stick with it. Don't make this more difficult than it needs to be. Glory in the cross rather than in your flesh. The gospel message that Paul has presented in Galatians is one worth believing. Because if our position with God is based on our religious performance, we would be in a load of trouble because we fall short, because we're all sinners and we can't live up to the law. But because it is based on Jesus, And on his finished work on the cross, we can stand confident in the fact that we are positionally accepted with God because we are positionally in Christ through the cross. And so if you're looking for acceptance with God tonight, let me just tell you, you're not going to find it in religious works or charitable contribution. You're not going to find it. You'll only find it by faith in Christ alone. Because that is the rule that God has established. It's the canon, it's the standard. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. But what that means is if you are willing to come to God, not on your terms, but on His terms, you can find full and complete acceptance with Him. An acceptance. That's not mamby-pamby, I can lose it here and I can lose it there because it's based on me. But an acceptance with God that is permanent, eternal, and provides you with forgiveness, salvation, and everlasting life. And again, that's not through your own works. It's through what Jesus accomplished at the cross. And you can be saved tonight if you'll come to him on God's terms. What this means for us, believers, This entire book, if I could finish it up in one statement, the challenge would be this. Stop trying to perform for position with God, but rather let your position with God perform its work in your life. Your position in Christ has crucified you to the world and the world to you. Your position in Christ has already brought you into a new people of God, fully accepted unconditionally through Christ and his cross. And your position in Christ, it brings you under the peace and the mercy of God. So, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the works of the law, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit because the spirit that is given to you through the grace of Jesus Christ is totally sufficient to make you who you ought to be in Christ before God. So live your life in the liberty of Christ. Father, thank you for this study in the book of Galatians. I'm so grateful for the cross. I'm thankful for the provision that we have in Christ. For without his provision, we'd all be in trouble. Lord, we know that we need him more than anything else. I'm thankful that as we have come to the close of this book, I feel like we have a deeper and richer appreciation for the cross, the finished work that Jesus did there, the difference that He and the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. My desire for those listening is that those who are not saved would glory in the cross and trust in Christ and Him alone and find acceptance with you. My prayer for believers is, is that we wouldn't look to improve our position by our own religious performance, but that we would see Jesus as the one through whom we have acceptance with you. And may we glory in Christ and the cross exclusively, for it has exclusively put us back in a right place with you. Thank you for your wonderful salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to take.